If you have your Bible, and I hope that you do, are you ready? Can I get an amen? I'm sure that most of you have been familiarized with hurricanes this week as you've looked at the east coast of our country with Florence that have come battering in on the east coast of the United States. And we looked at that, the news reporters and all the devastation that, that we saw this week certainly gives us an idea of how, how strong and how quick things can change in our life. The evacua evacuation of all the cities, the perplexity of trying to get ready, the anxiety of all that. And look Looking at news reporters that were on just about every channel of our television this week, with the report coming in, there is a strong storm off the coast of the Carolinas, and it's going to hit land, and you need to prepare for that. And looking and watching it unfold as the, as the storm come to land, we saw the reporters all out with their rain jackets on, and the, and the microphones talking about that, and uh, right as we looked at that, all the debris, all the anxieties, all the strong, uh, the, the force of the storm was coming in. And if you paid attention to those reporters while they were on the, on the land, you saw something behind them. What was it, everybody? Palm trees. That's exactly right. Brother Kevin gave me a report uh, this morning. He let me watch the little YouTube video that was done by a news reporter this week. And as he was there on the shore of the Carolinas, he was talking about the strength and the force of the hurricane that was coming in. The winds were blowing. Uh, the rain was coming, battering down. And he was alluding to the fact that behind him uh, there was a palm tree. And man, he went on and on and on talking about the palm tree. And even though the wind was blowing it, that the, uh, the trunk of that tree was solid and strong. And Kevin said, Brother Jackie, he must have been listening to your sermon because right there on on that news report, he gave a beautiful illustration of the strength of the palm tree. Today, if you have your Bible, and I hope that you do, open your Bible to the book of Psalms 92, and we're going to be talking today about the stuff that surrounds us, the stuff that surrounds us. When we look at our life, we realize immediately that all of us experience things in our life and stuff that comes in our life. As a matter of fact, nobody's immune to that. You may be governed your life walking through the beautiful, peaceful valley of life, and all of a sudden the storm blows in, and you may be going through the valley, you may be on the mountaintop of life, but irregardless of where you are, there are stuff that we have to deal with. Can I get an amen? We all got stuff that we deal with, and I want you to open your Bible to the book of Psalms, Psalms 92. And look there with me. The writer says, the righteous shall flourish like a what? Like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in their old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Why would they do that? The writer says in verse 15, the reason that we can do that is to show that the Lord is upright 
right that he is my rock and there is what? No unrighteousness in him. When you look at your Bible immediately in verse number 12, you're, you're brought to face to face with the qualifier of palm tree living. The Bible says the righteous, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Now we know that that's not our righteousness because the word of God tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible tells us our righteousness is like filthy rags. But when we come to Jesus, we are clothed with Christ's righteousness and he takes our sin, washes it as white as snow and covers us with the robe of his righteousness. Can I get an amen? When we think about that, the Bible says you're the righteous that are clothed with the righteousness of Christ, with God in Christ Jesus, and you will flourish like a what? Palm tree. Then he says you got to be planted. You got to be planted in the house of God. Now we know that that's not a physical facility that we're talking about, but it's a spiritual place that all of us have got to be. We got to be planted in the house of God spiritually, and that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the Bible tells us that we can flourish, we can bloom, we can blossom in the midst of all the things that we have going on in our life. We can be like a palm tree when the storms and the hurricanes blow into our life. Everything else may blow away. Everything else may be dis disturbed and everything else may be demolished. But there the palm tree stands, tall, straight, and erect, glowing to the glory of God in the midst of the storm. Now we know that the Bible tells us, if you have your word of God, open it up to the book of John chapter 16, and you'll see a verse there that all of us need to make sure that we mark in our Bible, John chapter 16 and verse number 33. Now you'll know there that Jesus is talking to his disciples, and in John chapter 16 and verse number 33, he reminds them, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have what? peace. Now let's not rush through that today. Let's make sure that you've got your Bible open and I want you to pay attention. Jesus says in me. Underline that in your Bible. That is if you're going to have the manifestation of peace in your life, you've got to be in Jesus. The Bible says in me you will have peace. In the world you're going to have what? Tribulation. But be a good cheer. I have what? Overcome the world. Now the picture of this verse is all the tribulation, all the storms, all the, the disaster that's going on around the world, that may be happening all around you, but right here, are you listening? You've got peace. You've got peace. The Bible says in Jesus you have peace, but in this world, you're going to have tribulation. When you look at your life and you look at the world around you, the world is filled with trouble. The world is filled with tribulation. The world is filled with despair and discouragement and problems and things. But right here, you can have the peace of God in the midst of tribulation. Your family may be falling apart. Your world may be falling apart. Everything about your life may be unraveling out here. But in here, you can have peace. Why? Because you belong to Jesus. Now let's look about that for a moment. Let's look at point number one this morning and let's take the journey. Are y'all ready? Amen. Let's look there. Everybody has what? Stuff. stuff to deal with. Everybody's got stuff to deal with. 
Nobody's immune from that. Everybody's got stuff to deal with. And the first thing that we have to ask ourselves is this, what is stuff? What is stuff? You know, people go, well, I got stuff going on in my life. Well, what is it? And you know what I've learned in my life? It isn't the raging storms or the lonely, tiresome droughts that rob us of our palm tree living. We may cling close to God when the winds come and the storms come and the rain pelts against us. When the flood waters rise up and threaten our well-being and livelihood, but the storms finally still. Yet sometimes I've learned in my life that a lot of people, it's not when the, when the time is hard that they forget God. It's the time that it, life is easy they forget God. You see, I've learned in life that most people run to God when it's hard. Most people run to God when the storm come in. But after the storm is gone, people seem to forget who God is and how that they're to cling to him. As a matter of fact, I want to remind you of this. Everybody has stuff to deal with it, and stuff includes material things like our homes or our cars or our clothes or our collections. People go, I got stuff. I got stuff happening in my... In my, in my, in my, in my, on my car, I got stuff happening in my house. I got stuff. I got to get this stuff for that stuff. And I need this stuff. So this stuff will be fixed. And that stuff is falling apart. And I need some stuff to fix what's falling apart. And the stuff that I fix is not good enough stuff. So I need some more stuff. And I got to move this stuff and get this stuff. I got to get rid of some stuff. Oh, I got to go get some stuff. I got to sell some stuff. No, I got to buy some stuff. I got stuff, stuff. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Anybody got stuff. Can I get an amen? You say, well, I got too much stuff. I'm going to have a yard sale to get rid of all this stuff. And I try to get rid of all this stuff. And then I go shopping to get me some more stuff. I'm going to get rid of some stuff in my closet so I can fill my closet up with more stuff. I got this stuff and that stuff. And by the way, I need to get some more stuff to add to my stuff because I'm collecting stuff. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So we looked at it together and we realized that everybody has got Y'all better help me. Everybody's got what? Stuff. Anybody in here got too much? Can I get an amen? Anybody in here got more stuff than you know what to do with? If you're, if you're, now remember you're in church, you gotta, you gotta tell the truth in church. Anybody got more stuff than you know what to do with? Can I get an amen? I was telling Denise, you know what? If we ever had to move, I don't know what we're gonna do with all of our stuff. Amen. Can I tell you what will happen to your stuff when you die? They'll, they'll give it away and sell it at yard sales. And I told you they'll give it to the Hannah home and I'll go buy it. And, and your stuff goes away. Stuff, stuff, stuff. It's crazy about this stuff. Stuff includes activities that we do. We got a lot of activities that we call Stuff. Stuff includes our inward and our outward challenges, climbing the corporate ladder, helping our kids master the math homework, replacing the water heater, dealing with the heartache of personal loss. I got stuff, stuff, and I want you to notice this in the second thing. Stuff distracts if stuff becomes your priority. You know what I've learned in life? Stuff keeps us busy. Stuff keeps us preoccupied. Stuff keeps us going. And if we're not careful... This stuff will distract us 
if it becomes a priority. Stuff keeps away from our Bible reading, our praying. The distraction of our stuff gets so loud in our minds that they drown out the voice and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Stuff takes up our time and energy so we don't make it to church. I, I, I can't tell you how many people that I talk to, that I, that I meet, and I go, hey, I've been missing you in church. I, I, I've been missing you. Where you been? Oh, Brother Jack, I've been dealing with some stuff. Brother Jack, and when I get this stuff handled, I'll be back in church. I, I'm coming back. You know why our churches are not filled? You know why revival's not happening in our church? You know why God's not moving the way he does? Because look at me, listen to me. We're distracted by our stuff. We even make stuff a priority, not only in our homes and our life and our business life. We make stuff a priority in our church. We start looking at all this stuff and we get our eyes off Jesus and the stuff becomes our priority. And when stuff becomes your priority, the devil's got you exactly where he wants you. Because the Bible says in Matthew 6, are you with me? Read it out loud together. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then... I like Brother Jackie's translation. It says, this is what Brother Jackie says, if you will put God first, he'll add all the stuff in its proper order. See, a lot of people try to get their stuff before they get God. A lot of you are doing that. A lot of you, you know, you, you, you're not serving the way you should. You're not in church the way you should. You say, well, why, brother? Oh, I, I got to go do this, and I got to go do that, and I got to take care of this, and I got to get that done, and I got this happening and that happening. And man, I got to go over here and take care of this and move over there, and, and I got to adjust that, and I got to make sure that's done. And by the way, oh, by the way, Brother Jay, when I get all this stuff where it ought to be, and then I'll serve God. You know what the devil does? Look at me. He doesn't mind filling you up with more stuff. He doesn't mind giving you more stuff. He's the prince of this world. He knows how to deliver stuff to you to keep you busy. When you put stuff as your priority, you're on a downward spiral. When, you, when stuff begins to seep into your life and you begin to allow the stuff to become the focus of your life, all of a sudden the devil's laughing at you because he's got you exactly where you, your, your soul and your spirit becomes extremely distracted because of all your stuff. And I want you to look at the next thing because to me this is kind of sums it up. Satan desires to rob you of palm tree living by trying to get you to focus on stuff. The stuff in life rather than keeping your focus on the Savior of life. You see that it says that the devil delights to get you so preoccupied with your stuff that he wants to rob you of your abundant life by trying to get you to focus on the stuff in life rather than focusing on the Savior of your life. You remember the story. Uh, if you have your Bible, open it up to the book of Matthew, and you'll notice there in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus constrains the disciples to get in a ship, and he tells them, I want you to go to the other side. I want you to, I want you to go over there because the crowd is pressing him in, and he's trying to get away for a moment. He tells his disciples that, that they're going to go to the other side of the lake. And he sent them, the disciples away and the multitudes away to pray. And you'll notice in verse number 24 of, of chapter 14, he says, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea. 
and it was tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, what, everybody? What was he doing? Say it out loud. He was walking on the water. How many of you believe our God can do that? Our God can walk on the water. There's no question about that. He is sovereign. He's all-powerful. Our God can do anything. And the Bible says that he was walking on the water. Now, folks, I believe that that, that was truly what he was doing. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Read it with me, church. Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And watch Peter. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto you on the water. And verse 24, 29 says, Jesus said, Come on, help me, y'all. Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, Somebody tell me what happened. He walked on. Can I get an amen? You say, Brother Jackie, that's exactly what I need to do in the midst of the storm. I want, I want to see Christ and I want to walk on the water. And he did that. And G P Jesus said to him, come. Look at verse 30. Circle it in your Bible. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was what? Afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried, saying, Lord, save me. You know what happened right here? Do y'all want to know what happened? He got his eyes off Jesus. And how many of you know that the storm was there, the wind was heavy, the rains were coming, it was a storm in the midst of the fourth watch of the night, the darkest part of the night. You say, Brother Jackie, that's exactly where I am. I'm in the dark watch of my night, and I'm going to tell you, Brother Jackie, it is a storm where I am. And Jesus says to you, are you listening? Come to me. Come to me. When you're in your storm, come to me. When you're struggling, come to me. Come to me. Get your eyes off the storm and look. put your eyes on me. And if you will come to me, I'm going to tell you what's over your head is under my feet. I will take care of you. I will, I will take care of you if you'll just come to me. And Peter says, you know what? That's a great deal. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get out of this boat I'm in. And I'm going to walk to Christ on the water. And the Bible says, but. Have you ever had that but moment? That you were serving God and you were doing good and everything was rocking with you, but, but stuff started happening. And in the midst of your stuff happening, you started watching your stuff and got your eyes off Jesus. When you get your eyes off Jesus, you listen to me, you will sink you will start sinking. And aren't you glad that Jesus is there even when we mess up? Because the Bible says, and I like what it says, it says immediately. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and he said to him, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt me? Does that sound like you? Does that sound like you in the midst of your storm? Look, I'm telling you, a lot of you are in the midst, right in the middle of the hurricane of your life. I mean, the trouble is coming, and you don't have the answer, and you don't know, what's, you don't know what to do next. Irregardless of where you are in life, look at me and listen to me. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. 
Don't look at the wind. Don't look at the rain. Don't look at the junk. Don't look at the stuff. Don't look at the turmoil. Don't look at the tribulation. Don't look at the storm. Don't, don't. Just keep your eyes on Jesus because it is in the storm that you need faith in him. Somebody said to me one time, they said, Brother Jackie, I don't know if I got enough faith. I said, do you, got a, you, got, do you have any faith? Well, I got some faith. I said, well, some faith is enough faith. Because Jesus said, if you got faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you can say this mountain be thou removed and be cast in the sea. And listen, you may want to give up. You may want to quit. You may want to throw in the towel. You may say it's too hard. You may say, you know what, Brother Jackie, I've tried this church thing. I've tried this stuff. And it seems like the more I try, the harder it gets. I'm telling you, my friend, the devil knows that. And he'll just try to derail you. What you've got to do is hang on to the faith that you've got and keep your eyes on Jesus. And when you keep your eyes on Jesus, listen to me, my friend, you will live like a palm tree in the midst of your storm. Now, I want to give you this because I got to hurry. Y'all got me going, and I'm, I'm, I got to hurry here. So here we go. What is palm tree living? What is that, everybody? How, when, I, when you talk about palm tree living, and if you don't get anything out of this, get this. This is powerful. I want you to read it and write it. As you read it and write it, say it with me. It is what? consistently underline that word in your in your outline it's consistently living in you got to consistently live in you can't be in today and out tomorrow you can't be here Sunday and miss five you can't you can't say to God I love you today and and you're not serving tomorrow you can't do that you got to get consistent you got to be consistent in the mountain on the mountaintop and you got to be consistent in the valley you got to be consistent when the rain is coming and you got to be consistent in the sunshine of your life you got to be consistent in the good days and the bad days. Your, your life is not dictated by your circumstance. Your life is dictated by a Savior. You are in his hands. You belong to him. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Your life is not determined by all that's happening around you. Your life is determined by who's living on the inside of you. You've got to consistently live in and experience and enjoy the abundant, victorious Christian life. Say it. Despite the what? Challenges. Watch this. Despite the circumstances, despite the climate that you may find yourself in or you're about to face, you know what you do? You get you a bulldog hoat and you don't let go. You don't quit. You don't throw in the towel. You're going to be, you're going to be, listen, when you don't know what else to do, just stand. That's all you got to do. You say, Brother Jackie, that's all I can do. That's all you got to do is just stand. Stand and keep your eyes on Jesus. The book of Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink. For yet your, nor your body, what you shall put on, or, or your life, in your life more than meat, in your life body more than raiment. Behold, the fowls of the air, Jesus said, they sow not, neither do they reap, neither do they gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you better than a bird? Don't you think he loves you more than a sparrow? And which of you, by taking one thought, can add one cubit to your life? Why take your thought for your clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and they, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, say this with me, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, 
Shall he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. Therefore, take no thought, saying what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Wherewith shall we be clothed? Don't, for all these things the Gentiles are seeking after. Come on, let's read this part together, everybody. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What's going to happen? All these things will be at. You know what? Watch me. I don't think God's up in heaven going, doggone, I didn't see that one coming. Gee whiz, golly, that one snuck up on Brother Randy. I didn't know it was a good night. I just don't think God's checked out. He's not taking it out. He's not going, oh my goodness, what just happened? That was my child. That one snuck up on that one. Can I tell you this? Aren't you glad you don't have a heavenly father like that? How many of you believe he's always got his eye on you? Can I get an amen? He's watching you. He's got his eye on you. He's, 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 he cares about you. He loves you. He never, listen, he has never forgot you. And I want you to look at the next thing. It's powerful. The, the next part of this says in Romans, it says, it, it says, we know that how many things? All things work together for the good of them that love God who are called according to his purpose. Watch this. Uh, y'all, y'all put this picture on the screen. I want you to see. That. Isn't that beautiful, y'all? Isn't that beautiful, everybody? And by the way, I want to show you, I got a beautiful palm tree town. Isn't that gorgeous? Look at that, man. I got a palm tree town. Look, y'all look at that picture right there. Isn't that beautiful, y'all? Isn't that a beautiful picture? Now, remember your definition. You are living the palm tree life despite your circumstances, the climate you're in. You know where that picture was taken? Say where, Brother Jackie? Haiti. In the land of Haiti, that place is a disaster. I mean, it is the poorest country on planet Earth. It is, it's awful, y'all. It's awful. They don't have nothing. And, and we were riding down the road in Haiti, and I said, stop. And I saw that palm tree. And watch this, I got out and took the picture myself with my phone. And I said, I got to have that thing. And I said, man, look at that. Look at that. And I took that picture and I looked at it and I said, that's gorgeous. And then I looked around me. Cows ain't got nothing to eat. Trash everywhere. It's a disaster. It's a mess. And I thought, God, look at that palm tree. That's who you are. You are a palm tree in the middle of a mess. Can I get an amen? Now I want you to write this next thing down because it's powerful. The palm tree is independent of the negative influences that surround it. God says you're like a palm tree. It's independent. Go back to the beginning of it. It's independent of the negative influences that surround it because stuff is not the source of its life. The palm tree's life is not about the source around it. It's about the life that's in it. And Colossians 3, 3 and 4 says, you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life shall appear, then you shall also appear with him in glory. The next verse says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, everybody? Shall distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are what, church? More than conquerors through him that loved us. 
For I am persuaded, will you read it with me? That neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do y'all believe that? Can I get an amen? Will you give God praise for that because he's awesome and he's good. Number five, the palm tree should be distinctive among the stuff. The palm tree should be separated from the intrusion of the stuff from the outside world. We're, we're separated from that. You know, the outside world is out there, but we're separated from that stuff getting inside of us. And 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, You're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what has fellowship with light and darkness? What's righteous and unrighteous? He's simply saying that you're different. You're not like the world. And the next verse says, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. God as well said, I will dwell in them and I will walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Watch me, listen to me. You don't have to be like everybody else. You're a palm tree in Christ. You're not to touch the unclean thing. You're to be dis you are to not let this world get on the inside of you. And I want you to write number five down because it's powerful to me. It goes like this. The palm tree should be distinctive from all the other things. I mean, how many of y'all know this? If you're riding down the road, you're heading wherever you're heading, you don't have to ask somebody, what kind of tree is that? If it's a palm tree, you'll know it, Right? I mean, you just automatically go, oh, that's, I know what that is. That's one of them palm trees Brother Jack's been talking about. That's what that ain't is. Now, all these other trees, I have to I go, oh, what kind, they'll ask me, what kind of tree is that? I don't know. Is it a hickory? Is it an oak? Is it, what is this? I don't know. But a palm tree, man, I know it. And I want you to know, that's the kind of people you ought to be. The world ought to know who you are. They'll be able to look out here and go, oh, there's a Christian right there. There's one right there, and there's one right there. And you ought to be willing to say, God, I want to be different for you. Now, I want you to notice in 1 Peter 2, 9. Brother Randy, as you guys come, it says this, but you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a peculiar people. That's who you are, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can I ask y'all a question? And will y'all be honest with me? How many of you that God called you out of darkness into his light? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. Then my friend, you ought to be different from the world. You ought to stand out. You ought to say, I'm not like everybody else. I'm a palm tree. I'm a child of God. I've been bought with a price. I'm not who I used to be. I, you know, I'm different because of Jesus. Then I want you to look at the next thing. It's powerful to me. And it goes like this. The palm tree is secure in spite of all the stuff that it deals with. The hurricane comes, it just stands there. The winds come, it just stands there. Everything else blowed away, but not a palm tree. If you went on the coast of the Carolinas today and you were to look right in the path of where the hurricane hit, everything else may be toppled over, but not a palm tree. It's just standing. 
Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24 says, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man that builds his house on a rock. Come on, read it. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat upon that house, but it fell not. Why? How many of you want a life like that? Stuff's going to come, y'all. Stuff's going to come. Storms are going to come. Rain's going to come. The wind's going to blow. But if you build your house on the rock of Jesus, it will stand. It will not fall. The bottom line is powerful to me because the palm tree displays from start to finish the abundant life. It's, it's a victorious Christian life. It, it, it shows. I mean, you, you look at a real sold-out believer of Jesus. Watch this. They don't quit when it gets hard. They don't give up when the storm comes. They don't lay out because of their stuff. They just keep on serving Jesus. They just keep on keeping on. They're faithful. They're committed. They, they experience tough times too. But they don't quit on God. You know why? Because they know God won't quit on them. The book of Revelation, something happens. There's 144 sealed Jews in the book of Revelation after the rapture. God chooses to seal 144,000 Jews and makes them evangelists to the world. And uh, after the church is raptured, there's a tribulation time that comes on the, the earth and the saints of the tribulation period, they're going to be martyred and killed and the saints that are, that are saved during the tribulation period, people say, Brother Jackie, will people be saved in the tribulation period? Yes, they will, but they won't be the church. The church has already been raptured. But the Bible says that there's tribulation saints that come. And uh, after this, I beheld, and there was a great number which no man could number of all the nations. And all the kindreds and all the people and all the tongues stood before the throne and they stood before the Lamb of God. Now I want you to, they were clothed with white robes and they had something in their hand. They had palms in their hand. They were waving the palms in their hand. And they were crying with a loud voice salvation to our God which sits on the throne and let's just praise the Lamb of God you know what I believe I believe if there's ever been a time that the church ought to rise up with palms in their hand it ought to be the day that we live in today that says thank you God for saving me thank you God for taking care of me if they can do it in that time why can't you do it now. So today, I just want you to bow your heads for a minute. Right now, if God's been good to you and the Lord has sustained you and he's been with you in your storm, 
and he's strengthened you in the midst of your trial and you've saw him walk with you through the valley why don't you stand to your feet right now and just with your head bowed and your eyes closed as weird as it sounds why don't you just wave your arm like you got a palm branch in your hand and you're just thanking him for seeing you through another storm that you you yourself are saying God you've been so good to me and Lord the storm was hard but I'm telling you you kept me in the midst of the storm and just take a moment with you and God right where you are